0: Welcome back to the Criterion Connection, a podcast where two film lovers explore the Criterion Collection by connecting these iconic films to each other through the greater tapestry of cinema. Every two weeks, we craft a double feature of films connected through one element or another. The only caveat, those films must be a part of the Criterion Collection. We also highlight new additions to that collection, hidden gems on the Criterion Channel, and more. As always, I'm Ian and she's Mackenzie. Hello! Hello! And this week, we are discussing spine Number 600, the film that arguably prescribed an entire genre of film and television, Otto Preminger's Anatomy of a Murder. But before we get to that, Mackenzie, it's been a second, so yes. I got to know what you've been watching since we last spoke.
1: <laughs> I'm watching some things I want to talk about. That's, that's the thing for sure. Um, uh, gosh, I mean, there's just too much almost. Um You know, I checked out, I checked out some Agnes Gleaners and I, which was great. I checked out some more Elaine May with a new leaf, which was great, but we're, we're limited on time. So I want to focus in on two ish things specifically. Um, so, you know, instead of highlighting things, people will watch, I will highlight some things nobody will watch with the (laughs) Don Mars Shakespeare trilogy, um, some people saw me logging these uh these plays and were like where the fuck are you watching these and the answer is Rachel I think got some sort of trial to Marquee TV on Amazon (laughs) and uh which I think Marquee TV might be it's also its own independent streaming service but you can get it through Amazon Rachel presumably watched something with a trial and then forgot to cancel it so we noticed um this version of Much Ado that she really likes um from RSC, a.k.a. Loves Labors 1. There's a whole backstory behind that. DM me if you want to know why it's called Loves Labors 1 and not much ado. But we watched that, and then I noticed. So when I was in college, there was this iconic production of Julius Caesar, all-female Julius Caesar done at the Donmar Warehouse starring Harriet Walter, who people who are not into theater probably know harry walter as the the mom on succession she is kendall's shiv and uh, roman's mother on succession the kind of wry british mother who is not very uh not a very good mother and she's brilliant in that role because she's a brilliant actress um but she cuts her teeth a lot in theater and shakespeare and uh, i was in an all-female production of julius caesar that was very much inspired by that all-female production of julius caesar and it kind of spurned a trend of especially collegiate. Age productions of all female Shakespeare. There's like other schools also in my area that did like all female Richard II and things like that. And um I never knew it was filmed, nor did I know it was a part of a trilogy of Julius Caesar, Henry the Fourth, and The Tempest. And I saw they were all on this damn marquee TV thing. And I was like, Rachel, you're not canceling that. <laughs> we gotta watch this. And uh we're getting into uh Shakespeare again, kind of for personal reasons, but I just I haven't I've really missed engaging with Shakespeare and really just want to highlight this because if you have any interest in theater, um, these productions are transcendent. They're I- incredible. I never want to see a man do Shakespeare ever again. Uh, I love, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm joking, but I love, <laughs> I, I'm surprised there's not more all-female productions. I mean, we watched this behind-the-scenes video of the woman who plays Falstaff in Henry the Fourth. Falstaff, one of the most iconic uh, characters in Shakespeare's entire oeuvre, and she was saying how she really felt being Falstaff was the first time she got to play one of the great roles in theater, which oftentimes women don't get to play. and in hindsight, I really felt that playing Brutus too. Like how often can a woman play Marcus Brutus? Um, and I'm really blessed to have been able to do that and I want to do it again. I just I just love Shakespeare and the male roles are so incredible. and the the concept around these three productions, they all go together in tandem. The concept—I always knew the concept was women's prison, um, which makes sense for Julius Caesar. It's a very violent play; it plays well with like groups of people who are opposed, in the way that their conflicts kind of um, engage with one another. But I didn't realize that the concept was also like outside of the play itself. So the concept is like the women's prison is putting on Julius Caesar, which is like not what I realized was doing. So there's these cold openings of the prisoners. Each actor created a prisoner character in addition to the character they play within the shakespeare play and so it's just so many layers of art happening that like once you learn more about the prisoner characters they play it layers into the roles they play within the play if that makes sense so like harriet walter's prisoner is named hannah and she's a woman who went is was went to jail at 31 and will and was given a life sentence and the more you see her play these um Patriarchal characters, these fathers, you get more context into Hannah, the prisoner who was not able to be a mother to her daughter because she was in prison, and then watching her play Prospero, which is like in The Tempest, which is like the ultimate overbearing father in Shakespeare's plays it's just amazing the ele- the amount of layers that go into these performances and the performances are incredible. The productions are so well thought out and well designed and well acted and at the end of each play, Phillida Lloyd, who <laughs> directed Mamma Mia, by the way, this, this director, which I pointed out in my second review, she does these magnificent things. I can't spoil if you ever want to seek this out with the way she pulls us back into the real world, quote unquote, at the end of these plays. Um, the Julius Caesar one gutted me, it, like left me like on the floor. I was just a puddle. I couldn't even believe it. It was just they're just incredible. It just reminded me. It's like one of those things that just reminds you about how much you love theater when you watch something like this. And it's just like uh it's just incredible and they worked with actual women who are who were in prison in in England and so they worked alongside women to hear their stories, to workshop the plays with them and to like and and it looks like they were they just really cared about carceral justice and really engaged with people who are actually living under these circumstances and try to tell their stories through Shakespeare's words give these voices to people who have none so it seems like the concept is so well thought out and they also went about it in a way that brings light because you can never when you're watching these plays you can never not be thinking of the real people who are experiencing um, life in prison and how like god when you watch the tempest which is a play about being trapped and it's a play about earning freedom when you watch that thinking about the people who oftentimes for sometimes for reasons, not of their, even of their own are in prison for life. You think about how inhumane it is that there are human beings on this earth who are basically thrown away by society. Like I think it's brilliant because not only did the, sometimes I don't like Shakespeare when there's too much of a shtick to it, but the shtick works perfectly because it, it is also commentary in and of itself. I don't know. It's just, it's really brilliant. I, I, can't recommend it more if you're interested in shakespeare i think julius caesar is the best because i love julius but the tempest is also phenomenal it's just god it's just so good ian it's just so good i can't (laughs) even believe it
0: No, these are all three of uh his plays shakespeare that i've never seen actually in any form so i'd really like to see these Marquis is actually something i've always kind of wanted to try out so maybe this is the perfect opportunity
1: I mean, they have a ton of stuff from the Royal Shakespeare Company, which are great. And then they have a ton of like operas and ballets. Like I was telling Rachel, <laughs> like, let's keep this for a opera. while and and check out some stuff. Because um, we're also planning to get National Theater live again this summer because uh, mm-hmm. NT at Home or NT at Home, um, because they have some incredible productions on there as well. The Brilliant Angels in America productions that were done at the National Theater, as well as a Shakespeare while Malvolio is a lesbian. So, like, mm-hmm. let's get into it. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah i love i'm moving into my live theater era so do not be shocked if you see me logging a bunch of plays <laughs> because i miss theater so much and honestly it's even if you're just like wow i love the mom on succession watch Julius caesar <laughs> she's <laughs> incredible oh my god it's great yeah. i i just also love brutus he's my favorite character uh i've ever played in my life and i i love that play so much um but anyway, I'm rambling because I also really, really want to talk about secrets and lies, which I watched. Um, did you see that I logged this? I can't I did, tell your I did. face. Yeah. Um, I loved this movie so much. Um I don't want to take up too much time. I hope we do it on this show one day because I just need a play. I've been trying to write a redam review for this movie, and I just cannot articulate thoughts about it. Like, and it's not even like, like so much happens in it that my mind is blown, but like, I don't know. It just, it's such a i just can't i loved it but i can't figure out how to extrapolate more out of that phrase i guess and i would love to do it on the show because like i just would love an excuse to talk about it with somebody and Mm -hmm. also just write my thoughts down a bit more as i watch but this is my first mike lee film we almost did a mike lee film a while ago and things just changed because we we switched Uh, some some of our scheduling stuff up yeah um Yeah, not to, not to pull the curtain back. We almost said a Mike <laughs> Lee, we changed it because we yeah. were like, can we, do we really want to do this right now? Um, but <laughs> so this is my first Mike Lee film and I'm realizing that it is like a McKenzie type of film, I'm uh, meaning mm-hmm. it's character forward. It's just like really well-written characters in a room talking and crying at each other, which I love. Um, it's kind of theatrical in the way that it's very play-like, very, like, you know again just people Mm -hmm. talking in a room and michael e kind of has that theatrical flair to his style of directing that i love and it's about like mothers and daughters with really fucked up relationships um and it's also playing around with melodrama um because like brenda blethan's character um i see a lot of reviews talk about how they find her kind of annoying and i agree that she is a lot she's like blubbering half of the movie she also says sweetheart 58 times so she's always like oh sweet and she's just like crying and shaking and blubbering and smoking cigarettes um -hmm. but to me she's like the more i just think of her as playing in melodrama the more it makes sense for me because also i identify with her i think more than i would care to admit in terms of just like feeling things very big (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i feel emotions very in very large ways and so yeah, I was just kind of blown away by this one. I really, really loved it. Like, God, the Restoration on my TV is maybe one of the f- best looking movies I've ever seen. I, I blind bought the disc forever ago because I was like on my way to a Barnes & Noble sale. And like the someone on the Letterboxd show was talking about it. And I was like, I'm going to blind buy Secrets and Lies. And then I n- <laughs> never watched it. So I popped that disc in and like, it just looks stunning. Like, I don't even know, like the color grade is so beautiful. The sharpness with that beautiful, like 90s, mid nineties film grain. Like it's just one of the most beautiful looking films on my TV. And I was just like, oh, I was so cozy. I just slipped right into this world, the world, this movie and just didn't want to leave. And I didn't even think it got me. And then Timothy Spall comes in at the very end with this monologue cut to I'm weeping and I said I'm like what the fuck's going on here what the fuck's going on here so um yeah I really like this movie I'm having a hard time articulating exactly why but it worked for me so much I think it is just a McKinsey type of film and um the performances are incredible I love the writing I love the way it looked uh I fucking love this movie I want to watch it again like immediately so I'm hoping we can do it on the show sometime soon I want to show it to Rachel like I want people to watch Secrets and Lies um it's incredibly good
0: i knew i knew it was a good movie when your review came through that was just like
1: don't even know what to say
0: about it i just know that i love it i'm like yep uh (laughs) that's a good movie but it just hits you viscerally
1: it was just good it's just like you just like love these people and they're all sad and you're like all right i love you and i'm sad too let's be sad together me and these random characters from 1996 yeah um it's great anyway i'm rambling so much but i am feeling so full so full of (laughs) loving art this week because man yeah just between those plays i loved a new leaf i i watched There, god it's me margaret super cute little movie Mm -hmm. gleaners and i i mean god the anatomy of a murder which we're gonna talk about later i'm just feeling full feeling full my heart is full of art right now and i'm just feeling really good about it ian what is your heart full of this week
0: uh, you know, it was struggling to get full of art. Uh, I was having one of those weeks, Mackenzie, where I was having an existential crisis every time I came to this TV room that I'm sitting in right now to record and try to put on a movie. I'd be like, do I rewatch one of my favorites? Do I, do I watch something that's been on my watch list for ages and ages? Or like, what do I do? Um, so that being said, I crossed off two massive blind spots this week. Huge. Um and i had a great time uh <laughs> the first one of which i did this all in one day the first one of which was mad max fury road holy yeah. fucking shit um <laughs> so much fun i don't watch a lot of action films um but you know this one had been kind of like knocking on my door for a couple weeks and i was like who is it and it was a uh, george miller And uh, it was really fucking incredible. I loved it a lot. I just found the cinematography, the set pieces, the Charlies, the Tom Hardy of it all to be just so much fun. I just haven't had this much fun with a movie in forever. You know, sometimes I forget that there are like fun movies out there because I'm so busy, you know. Like you're saying, getting myself full and high on art, Um, (laughs) but not to say that Mad Max rewrote isn't art because it was so artfully well done. I, you know, my, my two word review was just that it's opera, you know, this thing is grand and big and melodramatic in a very different way from things like Secrets and Lies and May and December. Um, But it's just, you know, it's over the top and uh, yeah, it's just big spectacle entertainment, you know? They're singing to the to the rafters with this one and I freaking loved it. And then later that day, crossed off an even bigger blind spot with James mm-hmm. Cameron's Titanic.
1: Yo oh,
0: shit. Have you seen Titanic, Mackenzie?
1: Not in a very long time, but weirdly, uh, we had the I'm so so shocked you've not seen it. We had the two tape set so the film came with two cassette or two two vhs tapes and uh i watched it when i was really young fucking loved it and eventually i got to the point where i just watched the first tape because the first tape ends after they have sex and i would be like and i would be like eight years old watching that sex scene, being like, ah, And then I would Uh uh, be like, all right, happy ending. I would just never watch the second part. So like, I have not seen Titanic in full in like 20 years, probably. Okay.
0: You've either told that story on ADP or to me off mic, because I'm having deja vu right now. Um, But I I saw the
1: re-release. I saw a theater re-release with my mom when I was in middle school. But other than that, yes.
0: Well, we had that double VHS growing up and I saw bits and pieces of it. I'd never seen anything on the second VHS, so I never saw anything post-iceberg. Ugh, and yeah. I remember sneaking a peek of uh, Kate Winslet's hand, Rose's hand on the window with that, you know, just <gasps> you know, imprint of an image, the handprint in the, in the fog. Um, and then I'd seen other bits and pieces, but my mom was like, you can't watch this. There's nudity, there's violence. Like, And so, like, but I caught glimpses. <laughs> but I uh, blind bought Kind of, I guess I blind bought it. I blind bought the recent four K release because I um, was just at Target one day and it was there and it was on sale, and I was like, you know, why not? I like big old Jim, um, <laughs> and I just was like, I popped it on, and I was just having such a grand old time. Again, I was having so much fun. It's it was just one of those movies that you know made me like remember falling in love with movies as a kid. It also made me remember like coming back to movies in my adulthood and just like had everything I liked about movies. It had big, 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 you know, swooping romance had, you know, it's got, it's Titanic. It's got it all. Um, I feel like it's a movie that does have a bit of everything. It's got drama, Mm -hmm. violence, um, huge stakes, you know, wide eyed romance, an annoying fucking sh- heel of a character shit heel of a character uh and Billy Zane who's so good um and then just James and then just James Cameron like directing it within an inch of its life like it's so well done and the spectacle of it all I just love so much um so yeah I crossed off those two massive blind spots and then I watched something on the channel that I wanted to bring to your and everybody's attention I don't know if it'll be up your Alley Mackenzie, but it's been the biggest surprise of the year so far it's a little film Called Shuju River.
1: Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
0: it is by a director by the name of Lu Yi, who is apparently a somewhat transgressive and divisive figure in turn-of-the-century Chinese cinema. But this is just another film that I'm gonna add to the long list of Vertigo riffs that I like more than Vertigo. Um <laughs> basically, if people are familiar with Vertigo, you know you know doubles you know of doubles of a woman so there's like two people who look very similar and there's an obsession you know with these women uh very very kind of basic conceit that vertigo uh uses as like its central plot device but that other films since like a couple years ago or a year ago um decision to leave Mulholland drive to a certain degree uh Mm -hmm. you know uses that kind of uh riff uh in like small ways but no juju river i think is the the whole conceit of vertigo like the obsession with a woman and then like the doubling of that woman you know somebody who looks a lot like her it strips it down to its very basic format and it's very much just like a mood piece it's it's one of those films where it's like nothing happens but the vibes are immaculate you know Mm, yeah it's, it's very short um it just got a 4k restoration and i am no, Mackenzie, I'm 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 itching to pull the trigger on buying it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna give it some time to cool down, see if I really think this movie's worth having in my collection. But I just loved it. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting portrayal of like a country that was you know rapidly industrializing, and I think it's a lot about people who get left behind when a country starts to do that. You know, people just because a country is advancing doesn't mean that it's going to take everybody with it, and. It's about that it's about you know again obsession and i don't know i just would recommend people if they're curious go check it out it's on the criterion channel right now it's called Shuju river and it's really really beautiful it's a great film
1: hell yeah i think i saw something about it coming to the channel and it looked interesting so maybe i'll check it out it's pretty good. I still it's a haven't short seen Vertigo though. I feel like I need to watch Vertigo <laughs> at some point. You know, I hadn't
0: seen Vertigo until December when they put up that Hitchcock uh, collection, mm-hmm. and I was not boost. I was a, uh, I was not into it to be perfectly honest.
1: <laughs> Ian famously mid on Vertigo.
0: It a lot of things that people love. You know, <laughs> I like my as to quote to quote a favorite ca- film character of mine, uh, Vicky Crepes in Phantom Thread. I like my own taste. Um, so. <laughs> Well, Mackenzie, that is uh, where I'm going to leave it because we have some news to get to.
1: Yes. Would you like me to enlighten you on what will be coming to the collection?
0: I would. Please do.
1: All right. So with the January announcements, uh, we have two 4K restorations, I believe. Uh, One of which is spine number 29, Peter Weir's Picnic at Hanging Rock which I have not seen, but I am interested in seeing a- and a 4k restoration of a film. I love Lehane, which I know mm. I'm pronouncing incorrectly spine number 381 is also <laughs> getting a, a 4k restoration. Um, one of the first films I saw that was like a criterion e-film completely blew mm. my mind. We can get into it, but uh, the new additions to the, cha- uh, to the collection are three films. Um, I am Cuba. Is now at spy number 1214. Verkmeister Harmonies is now spy number 1215. And spy 1216 is Dogfight. And those are the new additions to the channel. Yeah, Not the channel, dogfight. the collection. The collection. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> dogfight uh being to me the most interesting. I'm very excited to see this film added. It looks like a kind of underseen um of american cinema i can't tell if it's independent or not by the criterion description um just kind of you know uh going over it but it's got you know an amazing soundtrack it looks like a performance from river phoenix who you know uh gone too soon and the amazing lily taylor so i gotta say that's the thing i'm most excited about these 4k restorations long time coming i'm sure people are very excited about them both films i have yet to see myself
1: hmm yeah, no, I I've never seen um picnic and Hanging Rock, but I do love Truman Show, which is also Peter Weir, um and yeah, Lahain Le- line line, I I know I'm saying it incorrectly, uh Lahain um, but I yeah, it was definitely one of the first like Criterion films I ever watched, and I remember um, and it was also like one of the first like French language films I ever watched, like it was just kind of a a new film for me. And it was because I was getting onto Letterboxd and a friend of mine named Joe shout out Joe, who he's like really big into uh, Bergman and, uh, and we're Like he was the first time I was seeing a lot of directors like that. And he watched this movie and it was like his favorite movie ever. And so I, I sought it out because of that. And I was, and I mean, it's one of those movies where the last, like the last, like two minutes of that movie will leave you just like floored, just like sitting on your couch being like, Oh, you know, it's one of those moments where, like, the end of that film, you just kind of have to just sit with it, and it's. Yeah. I-, I remember Rachel was like doing dishes, and I was just in the living room watching, it and I just like walked in there just sobbing, like, "What did I just watch?" Um. Yeah. So I think of that movie really, really positively <laughs> in terms of just like a really like eye-opening experience of like art to me. Mm-hmm. I-, I love that movie. I would love to watch it again for this show. I think. Oh, lol! I think that was almost the film I paired with Naked. The- the- these were both it films was, we yeah. almost did, and then we yeah. didn't do them. So maybe one day soon. Um. And then Dogfight, I'm only aware of because, shout out to Kev, there was a a musical of Dogfight, and there was a song that was kind of popular amongst musical theater kids called First Date Last Night, which is, like, a duet between the guy and the girl. If you don't know what Dogfight's about, it's, like, about those, like, shitty kind of prank things that boys would do where it's like who can have the ugliest dog at the party. So like guys try to find the ugliest date they can, which is like a, you know, really gross thing to do to other human beings. Um I feel like it's been redone a couple times in like uh teen movies. I feel like the spirit of this type of film or this type of thing that happened was sort of taken into something like a She's All That of like I'm going to take the ugly girl and make her pretty. I feel like it kind of morphed into that, but um yeah, Dogfight's about like a yeah, like a young soldier who is trying to find an ugly girl to take to this this um date this party with his friends, and I presume he might catch feelings for her. But again, I don't know really much anything about it other than um, the musical was kind of popular with the great Lindsay Mendez, who's now in *Merrily We Roll Along*. Um, she was incredible in *In Dogfight*, but um, I didn't realize it was directed by a woman. That's pretty cool, you know. Criterion continuing yep. to amplify and bring in uh, female directors into the collection, so that's exciting to see. Um another female directed film, uh Bellatar, not a woman, but uh i his co-director Agnes mm-hmm. Roit um with Verkmeister Harmonies. This movie's been on the uh like top five like movies directed by women on Letterbox for a really long time, so it's been that's mm-hmm. the only reason why I'm aware of it, but I know nothing about this, nor have I seen a Bellatar film before.
0: I have seen a Bellatar film, Mackenzie. How are they? Have, well, if you have <laughs> ever watched a movie and you thought, hmm, this was slow. Sister, you don't know slow. <laughs> That's what I've been nervous about. Bellatar films. I know I've I've never seen this. I have no familiarity with Miss Agnes over here, but I've seen um Nostalgia from Bellatar, and my god, that was a two- hour 10 minute movie that felt like it went on for two days it was so slow beautiful shots in it i thought it would have made a very good coffee table book um don't really think i enjoyed the film that being said i'm not writing this off at all i'm just i'm very interested to you know check it out maybe i also want to note that uh this uh, collection is going to include tar's first feature film which i think is pretty neat i'm liking that they're doing this more i am looking at my shelf with my discs and i'm uh singling out the last picture show the peter bogdanovich film they did the same thing they included the sequel to the last picture show on that 4k release so i I like this trend i I, would like to see them do this more just throwing in extra feature films on Mm. these uh 4k releases i think that's pretty cool
1: Wow, Workmeister Harmonies is on one of is one of Roger Ebert's <laughs> great movies. And I like this the start of his review for as Bellatar's Workmeister Harmonies is maddening if you are not in sympathy with it, mesmerizing if you are. If you have not walked out after twenty or thirty minutes, you will thereafter not be able to move from your seat. Interesting. Hey
0: you know it either captivates you or it doesn't uh it uh remains to be seen for the both of us
1: <laughs> hey i'm gonna give, give it a give it a big old chance because it also came up a bit on my my brain again because i think it's available on rarefilm.com where famously i was able to watch that theater piece from anna devere smith on um so i'm a rarefilm.com girly right mm-hmm. now and so if you don't want to wait for that 4k burkemeister harmonies is also apparently on there yeah. um and i guess to end us, i don't i'm not really familiar with i am cuba i don't know much about it but i mean hey love it
0: It's been on the channel for a good long while. Um, When you search uh, leftist films on the internet or on Letterboxd, this one often comes up. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I guess, I think it's worth noting, um, maybe people will disagree with me, but I thought it was interesting. The uh, very famous film director of the Lego movie and producer of (sighs) Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse tweeted about this. He basically said, this is annoying Soviet propaganda, which I was like, shut the fuck up. But he did... uh, he did spotlight memories of underdevelopment and to, to him, to Phil Lord, if you're listening, I just want to point out that film's already in the criterion collection.
1: Yeah. Literally. Um,
0: yeah. I was quite annoyed with that uh comment, but uh I think it is interesting that, you know, this is stirring some feelings up in the greater like mainstream film community. I thought that was interesting. I don't know what Phil Lord's politics are, but I doubt we would agree on anything.
1: I mean, people were, quote tweeting him with the articles of how the end of the spiderverse cast uh crew were overworked and underpaid and being like this you Phil lord uh so he was getting owned very efficiently on the internet after <laughs> uh, after randomly getting pissed about i am cuba being in the collection which like yeah. i okay
0: <laughs> like to say something like that uh outs you so hard like it is just like and,
1: like the people whose opinions i'm concerned about are probably going to be like actual cuban people who maybe have feelings about this film like I mean, that's probably whose opinions i'm going to yeah. care more about so
0: but yeah no i've seen it on the channel a bunch i'm pretty ex- i'm excited for this one as well um to have a release the art on it is gorgeous the art add.
1: rips the art rips hard yeah
0: so yeah no i mean hey boom and boom criterion channel updates last week and
1: criterion
0: collection updates this week
1: Oof! This is honestly the last couple of releases have been really freaking good. I'm like looking at this coming soon page right now, and I'm like, dude, like Chantal's coming, Mudbound's coming, Train Spotting, Romer, freaking, I'll be the blood. Sh-. Like, man, this is just really fun year so far for collection yeah. for for releases in the collection.
0: Yeah, Train Spotting, Macabre, Mrs. Miller. Oof. Yeah.
1: And boy. Gregor Rocky, you're coming soon. I feel it, Mama. I feel it. I feel it yes. in the air. Gregor Rocky Teenage Doom trilogy yeah. is coming. I feel it. <laughs>
0: I've got I got my Eric Romer Tale of the Four Seasons, Mackenzie. Uh so I don't know what to what to, you know, wish what for in the universe for. next. Yeah, I guess the thing that I am currently manifesting is a May-December release, which I almost feel at this point is a given. It has it to feels happen. feels like I a given. It. Yeah. Netflix, Todd Haynes, the entire cast has been in the closet in the recent months.
1: <laughs> it's happening it's they've been in like the that. closet um <laughs> you know. there ha- i feel like mid-december has to happen especially because it's netflix and i will be buying it instantly i guess the thing i should always be dreaming for is a co- complete works of david lynch including twin peaks the return but i don't think that'll ever happen
0: <laughs> in a bound maybe a boundary release
1: <sighs> i want a bound release so bad i could i could freaking rip my hair out okay bound i've emailed deserves i've emailed a- suggestions at criterion many times <laughs>
0: Not only does it deserve a better release than it has at the moment, but it deserves a cultural retrospective and reevaluation. Not that we haven't already given it that I feel like it's definitely happened since the fourth Matrix film. But there's, there's no nothing wrong with doing it again, you know?
1: no and i think it really i like because even the the uh, i have the olive release of it now i know we're getting into a whole thing we gotta talk about a movie but i i have the olive release and a lot of the features on that are from like the original dvd release so it's like stuff from like 2001 2002 really outdated obviously before the wachowskis transitioned and so there's just like a lot of outdated talk and like there's a great um essay from guinevere turner in there who's um you know, she was a consultant on *Chasing Amy*. She wrote *American Psycho*, the that the, she adapted *American Psycho*, and she wrote for *The L were Like really famous kind of lesbian writer, she wrote a really cool like essay for the Olive release. That's that's kind of reappraising like how we view the film now, knowing that the Wachowskis were queer women. And it was just like something we didn't know when the film was released. Uh, but like, I would love more. Yeah. Like more of features that like feature the Wachowskis as they are now ta- looking back at the film, bringing the cast back to discuss the impact. Cause I mean, freaking um, Jennifer Tilley is still doing bound on the Chucky show. Like as of last year, like it's still, it's still <laughs> clearly a thing that's important to all of these actors because they're doing like bound and references on the work they're doing, you know, what 20 plus years after the fact. So like, Clearly, it's an important film to this casting crew. And yeah, I would love like new features and like a whole new restoration of it. Oh, it would be amazing.
0: Sadly, though, this is an episode <laughs> on Bound McKenzie. No, it's
1: not. As soon Maybe as it the collection, we are fucking we are doing, doing it. it. We're oh, slotting yeah. it in instantly. Yeah. Best
0: believe.
1: It's like we have some <laughs>
0: automatic triggers, like emergency episodes, Bound, <laughs> Showgirls. Um, I don't know what else, but there are others out there, y'all.
1: I mean, hopefully soon we can do the four seasons. I would love to take like a month and we do the four seasons. Oh, that'd be a dream. I love it. We should do that. But until
0: those episodes, Mackenzie, will you bring me into the world of Otto Preminger and Jimmy Stewart's Paul Bigler?
1: A virtuoso James Stewart plays a small-town Michigan lawyer who takes on a difficult case, the defense of a young army lieutenant accused of murdering a local tavern owner who he believes raped his wife. This gripping envelope pusher, the most popular film by Hollywood provocateur Otto Preminger, was groundbreaking for the frankness of its discussion of sex, but more than anything else, it is a striking depiction of the power of words featuring an outstanding supporting cast with a young George C. Scott as a fiery prosecutor and the legendary attorney Joseph N. Welch as the judge. An influential score by Duke Ellington, Anatomy of a Murder is an American movie landmark, nominated for seven Oscars, including Best Picture. Anatomy of a Murder. judge was a real attorney that's what i got out of that are you kidding me i didn't know that that's crazy honestly i was literally thinking not to skip ahead but like i love how involved the judge is like Mm -hmm. he is like usually when you watch courtroom dramas the judge is kind of just chilling there but like he was involved he was like talking he was like getting those objections he was like he was really involved and it makes sense that that guy's a lawyer because he knows exactly how it feels to be a lawyer and how to interface with the judge. I love that. That's what I, I learned something new from the, from that uh, synopsis. Um, but Ian, you've seen this film before, correct? Yes,
0: yes. No, I watched it rather recently, uh, near the end of last year. Um, it was on the channel, and I was, you know, kind of going through what was leaving at the end of the month, and I saw it on there. I was like, I've always wanted to see that. I'm about to go see Anatomy of a Fall, which takes its name from this film. I should probably. Watch this before I see that and before it leaves the channel, so I put it on, even though I was a little skeptical of that two hour forty minute run time, and I was riveted. Uh, I mean, it's no secret. I love this movie. they go heart next to my log in preparation for this episode um and I gotta say, um it's probably my favorite James Stewart performance, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but I was just thinking about it while watching it the second time just recently. And I was like, damn, he's so good. So I'm excited to talk about that. But I also just think that as somebody who has always really been interested and um, fascinated with the U.S. judicial system and studied it in college, my majored in political science, my main focus was on the judicial system and just how courts work. My dad's a lawyer, my mom's a political science master, um, she's not a master of political science. She has a master's in it. Um, so yeah, no, it's just, is a, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of a lot of my interests with some really great, um, cinematic pedigree. So I just think it was kind of a shoo-in to be a film that I really like fell in love with. And I can't wait to talk about all that, but Mackenzie, this is a first watch for you. I got to know, did you have any history with Otto? Have you heard about this film before? Lay it on me.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh yeah, I also saw that runtime. I was shaking in my little boots. I went, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Almost 3 hours. And again, like, you know, we we you and I talk a lot about how like a, if a long movie is great, like, yeah, who gives a fuck? And Thankfully, this is a great long movie. <laughs> My review was almost going to be like, movies can be as long as they fucking want if Jimmy Stewart is doing whatever the fuck he wants. Like, I will watch eight <laughs> hours of Jimmy Stewart yeah. doing literally whatever. Um, Love that man. Love him so much. Shout out to our dear friend Goethe. Jimmy is his favorite actor of all time. And yeah, he's. I've only seen him in eight films, but he's one of those 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 guys who like, uh, he shows up and it's a good fucking time. I mean, I loved him in the Philadelphia story. I loved him in... Uh, Rear Window which I watched recently Shop Around the Corner Just watched It's a Wonderful Life Blew my mind more than I, I care to admit And then yeah he's incredible in this movie Um, So loved Jimmy He can do it He's just so good He's just. I mean like it's just The magnetism of that man Like truly you could just w- watch him do anything And he's so good He's just so entertaining to watch And I love that like no one on earth sounds like him Like I know that like actors yeah. in this time Had distinct voices right Like Kevin Hepburn's another example she still sounds like she's from Connecticut to me. Like I'm like, yeah, I buy that. She's from Connecticut, but Jimmy Stewart, I'm like, where the fuck is he from? Cause no one else on earth has ever sounded like him, nor will ever sound like him again. Um, and it doesn't feel like a put on though. No, either. it's just like his voice. And I'm just like, how did yeah. he find that voice that no one else has ever had ever? Um, yeah it's great and in terms of priminger um i just watched laura for speaking of Gucci again the uh noir maze he did in the discord in the um finite cinema dreams discord which i recommend if you're interested in old hollywood join in that discord because we're hanging out and talking about old hollywood a lot uh and laura was in that collection And i joked with you before um you know if i had a nickel for how many times priminger made a film about an enigmatic woman named laura i'd have two nickels which is not a lot but weird that it happened twice it's the same with uh Todd Haynes and Carol because we have the titular Carol and uh Carol from Safe as well which I love um but yeah I mean I loved Laura gave that five five stars five banged Laura I thought it was brilliant incredible noir film and yeah he, I mean he, he he's two for two for me so far and I mean I mean obviously we you and I have kind of gotten over like holding our feelings till the end like this is obviously yeah. an incredible film and yeah Preminger yeah. is two for two for me right now he he is really really impressive director I should probably check out more of his work honestly
0: yeah no i mean i've seen a couple more films besides uh this and laura and i gotta say this and laura at the top of the list for me uh yeah no but this is this is a great movie uh
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just sit here and go uh, this is movie good good for like a, an hour yeah Yep.
0: Yeah. composition nice acting good um
1: can i call out two yeah. other performances i loved please sitting here talking about how great jimmy stewart is the
0: return of george c scott charles fucking dancer holy shit blew my
1: fucking mind (laughs) and can i say (laughs) i was i also watched anatomy of a fall so obviously it was on my mind a lot while i was watching this film you watched them in reverse and i like then i did like you watched this first and then fall i watched fall and then this um So it was on my mind a lot, and uh, as people have been calling him the cunty prosecutor in Anatomy of a Fall, who is very like direct, and he's—I mean—incredible yes. performance. I think in Anatomy of a Fall, I was reminded of him when I was watching Mr. Dancer uh, dance across the courtroom, if you will. You know, I've only seen George C. Scott in a previous episode of ours, um, Doctor Strangelove. So. That's the only time I've ever seen him act. And obviously he's a goofball among goofballs in that movie. So it was really fun to see like this serious striking performance from him. I freaking love George C. Scott in this movie. I couldn't believe. And him and Jimmy were the way they were, they were rubbing up against each other. It it was just like brilliant. It was like truly like, I don't know. It's just electrifying in the way that it is to watch two incredible actors act together. I don't know, it reminds me of, you know, we both love May December. It's like when you watch Julianne and Natalie together. It's like the electricity that can happen when you when two just of the best actors alive are, are in the same scene. It's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and like half the time he's just like sitting in the background scowling, but yes. even then he's like always at an 11 and it's just <laughs> it's so good. I love um there's two moments with him in particular that I really love. The one where he's blocking Beagler's line of view. Or line of sight to laura yes. while he's interrogating her he's yeah like speaking of like cunty little prosecutor like he's so <laughs> of that when he's prose- when he's interrogating both her and um the uh only other female in this entire movie uh oh her name she's the innkeeper she's the she's the daughter of the guy who got murdered
1: oh oh my gosh i can't remember her name because there's also eve arden who i want to highlight who's his like assistant um the, yes
0: who she, she's great sorry she's third, incredible
1: no um katherine grant who plays mary mary pylant
0: yes mary pylant thank you uh yeah and when he's doing interrogating her he's just always he's also so which of course is the big reveal at the end and it's his uh downfall it's like his like most embarrassing moment um and the second thing about his performance is just some of his line deliveries are so good but my particular favorite one and this is somewhat popcorn noty, but i just have to throw it out into the ether up front is uh when <laughs> which is another thing I love about this movie is the, the flies, the, the fly fishing flies. Um, but when Beagler gives the judge, the fly describes how it's great for catching frogs and then shows the judge, the, um, the precedent that they're going to rest their case on. And the judge like, do you want to see it to George C. Scott's character? And George C. Scott just goes, no, we're hooked. Just like the frog. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's It's not only that the performances are so good, but the film is so well directed, it's so well scripted, it's so well paced. I think everything, it's one of those films, not to call back to what we've been watching, but like Titanic, that just has a little bit of everything and is so well calculated in all regards. It's a really well oiled machine, in my opinion, this Mm -hmm. thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, man, I've been in a real like courtroom drama vibe lately. I think is, uh, you know, I watch, obviously we watched Twelve Angry Men last week and I loved it. Um, Witness for the Prosecution, I watched you know a month or so ago, adored that Anatomy of a Fall, I really loved. But I, I, what I love about like about Witness for the Prosecution and this, I they 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 reminded me a lot of each other, if you will, is I love that I feel like I've yeah, like you get like an insight into how the court system works because I feel like sometimes films um and not to say like this might not even be accurate maybe i'm a real lawyer is listening to this and is like oh goober no that's not how it is it's it's it's, it's my cousin vinny which actually i've had lawyers say to me that my cousin vinny feels actually quite oh, yeah. accurate to to uh, how you do law but um i don't know i love that like them showing the I don't know the behind the scenes like yeah like them going to the judges thing and like talking about precedents and like like I you know the the defense and the prosecution usually talk more than you would assume presumably because they have to share materials like I, I learned that in my cousin Vinny that like anything that one side has the other side has to have access to as well and there are ways to surprise people obviously which we see in this film but generally there's a lot more I think communication between the two parties um, than you you would maybe expect and I like that you kind of see that as well as seeing like jimmy trying to skirt around that and like find ways to sort of secretly grab onto things that could help the case and i don't know yeah i just feel like it's like you get kind of a more intimate view of like the justice system which is ultimately broken and i think that's what this film is also trying to say much like 12 angry men yeah. i mean a little bit
0: and that's what Beagler's kind of taking advantage of in a way and yeah like, not in like a i like i like how bigler is actually has like a moral center outside of the courtroom and actually is like for all intents and purposes, seems like a really good person and like a good guy. And he really cares about his friend, cares about his, um, his, his law secretary, but like, he's going to take advantage of the things that have been like provided to be taken advantage of. He's going to do his best to represent his client, which is how the legal system worked. And as somebody who worked for a criminal defense attorney and sat in on trials, I think this movie's incredibly accurate. Like the judge is usually that active. Now it depends on the judge that you get in the case, but the judge is not not usually just a stoic figure presiding over arguments. No, they have, they have to play referee as the judge in this film often does because lawyers are really like that. They are orators. They are showmen and they are over the top, arrogant, you know, people who really do that shit, who really pull the shit like Beagler pulls, where it's like, I'm just a simple country farmer who's been given the grace of God to be a lawyer or some shit like that. Like, that kind of stuff happens. And so your judge does have to step in and be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know better. Um, I do just think, like, for all that I know personally about how things play out in court, in a real-life court, like, this thing is incredibly nuanced. It actually does pull the curtain back and give you a really realistic view of like what it's like to be in this system. And also just how much in the United States and a lot of, um, democratic Republic countries like the United States, uh, the law is not really about morality. It's not about right and wrong. It's about language. It's about how it's about who can better twist and manipulate language better than the other Mm. and also like specifically in this case but also very prevalent in the united states system is find an example of something that they want to do offer it up and give precedent precedent is you know king and also just you know the sparring of language that we often like you and i mackenzie in films like by billy wilder and just old hollywood in general like that's just how Law works up until this day. My father, who's an attorney, has always said it doesn't really matter how good of an arguer you are, like how smart you are. Can you write? And can you interpret? Can you interpret writing? It's about being a good master of the English language is really what being a good lawyer is about.
1: Reminds me of Chicago. Give him the old razzle dazzle. (laughs) I mean, the thing is that song feels accurate. Like, yeah. And like, that's why Billy Flynn is such a fun movie lawyer because he, the Billy Flynn, if you haven't seen Chicago, this tap dance he does, which they make Richard Gere literally tap dance, but the tap dance he does around the jury to, to basically, uh, get a murderer off. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you said that they're good people. I, I felt differently by the end of the film. Um, that our, our heroes, I think are just as bad as the people they've gotten. I mean, like they care about money. Like it's all about money. And I was left being like, ah, yes, capitalism does rule everything because you know, like I was, when I was, when I left this film after the final moments of it, I was like, well, am I mad that a rapist is dead? Not really, I guess. But did the man commit murder? full well knowing he was committing premeditated murder yeah for sure this guy murdered somebody and did he abuse his wife and insinuate that she asked for it because of the way she dressed and the way she's behaved because she's been unhappy in their marriage for sure he's an abusive piece of shit and he premeditatedly murdered somebody and i think probably should have gone to jail for that murder yeah if that's if that's what we're doing in terms of black and white justice he murdered somebody and probably should have gone to jail for it. And so, and especially at the end when they go, they can't get the money from him, right? Because he's bailed. They There's that one little line that Laura was weeping, probably had the shit kicked out of her by this asshole. Weeping was being taken away from him to, she's trapped. And, and I, and then Jimmy Stewart's like, ah, oh, well, let's go get another case, get a drink. And I was like, you piece of shit (laughs) like it's it's like you freed a bad man and you're just gonna sleep fine at night like um again like i'm on their side like you you're you're you have this pull to be on their side because they're our main characters but like by the end i'm like i don't really think i like you nor do i think you made a good decision like
0: um well if you think about it what are they off to do they're off to they're off to administer a state and they're gonna get paid yeah. So yeah, no, you've got a great point.
1: Like I, yeah. by the end of the film, I was like, I, like, I love you. I like, I like, I love you, Jimmy, but um, <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> but I don't but. like you. I don't like what yeah, you yeah. did. And I don't think, like, I think that as, as more facts about their marriage came out, um, I think it, it, to me, it became the morally correct thing to put him in jail. But I understand also that you could say like Jimmy's doing his job. Like that was the job he signed on to do and he had to do it to completion and with success if if possible. And it's it's complicated it's it's what's fucked i think about like our yeah about our justice system and 12 angry men also hits on this too it's like and same with anatomy of a fall like it ends you with an ambiguous i mean i think this is honestly less ambiguous than either of those films but like you know in 12 angry men it's very much just like he might have did it but what is the morally good thing to do quote unquote I don't know. Now I'm feeling like maybe I sh- Then I, then in that case, I should be mad about 12 Angry Men because what if that kid did kill his dad? Like, I don't know. I'm just kind of swirling. But like, I think ultimately, this, this, this douchebag, what was his name? Freaking Lieutenant Mannion. Mannion. Uh, yeah. I think he's proven himself to be an asshole. And I i just don't oh, think no, he's he, the worst. he should have walked free. I think he, he murdered somebody. And so, yeah. yeah, I think the, the film, I think, ends you with that feeling of discontentment. Or at least that's what I was feeling when the, when the, when the credits began to roll. But it felt realistic. It felt like maybe that was what he was trying to say about the justice system. So yeah, interesting ending for sure.
0: Oh yeah. No, and I think like this, I think both films are exposing the uh, brokenness in our judicial system, but from different angles. I think it's really interesting that we paired these films together because you get absolutely no insight into the jury room in this film and you get absolutely no insight really into the courtroom, Mm -hmm. save that one shot of the kid at the very beginning. And so... I really do like the fact that like we have one film completely situated in that setting and then the Mm -hmm. other film completely situated in the other setting. And just the, I think inner workings of one specific side of, you know, a trial are the focus of each film. So we like, we have like a, here a little crash course on United States uh, trial law. Yeah. um, Real quickly. But no. Yeah. I mean, Ben Gazzara, very great, crazy that this is what his first, I think. This is first or second, very early role for Ben Gazzara. Slimy little guy. Yeah, awful human (laughs) being, and no, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Uh, kind of thing. But what I do like about the whole thing and the character is there's actually to me there's never, and I'm sure not to you, but to me there's never any question whether or not that this guy did not have what do they call it an irresistible impulse. Um, it was completely and utterly well in charge of his faculties and well understood what he was doing was wrong and just is an angry piece of shit. Um, who hates his wife and hates himself and hates everybody. Um, but you now the way that they kind of maneuver through the story and that Beagler's like, how crazy would you have said you were? And then the army psychiatrist, and then just all this maneuvering, which our system is perfectly, uh, happy to allow. um, but yeah, I like what you were saying, though, about him not being so great, because throughout the film, the villain is clearly, like, we are We are positioned to see George C. Scott and the other prosecuting attorney who is the uh, district attorney for that, that city or that state mm-hmm. or this area of the state uh, as the villains, when in reality, you know, what we're coming <laughs> to here is like, no, those are like the good guys. They're trying to put away a guy who, good thing that the rapist is dead, because unequivocally, a rape happened like you know i know they tried to put yeah. that into the story like there's doubt thrust on that and everything but also this guy sucks and might as well rape his wife like fuck this guy
1: yeah i think they try to like uh, make it doubt but i i you know it, it's hard for me to divorce how i feel like in 2024 where i'm very inclined obviously to believe victims of of, of sexual assault and so like I, I definitely believed her and i think it becomes just more and more clear that a lot of her hurt came from her husband if even like not that like obviously her assault didn't hurt her but um yeah, like it's 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 I feel so bad for her. And um the way the film tackles like misogyny with her, I thought was so interesting, especially for you know, I hate saying for its time for movies like this, but like sometimes movies in 2023, 24 don't talk about things as bluntly as they do in this film. Uh, and I appreciate being treated like an adult when I watch a film. I appreciate feeling like a grown-up when I watch a movie, a movie that is not afraid to talk about rape and assault in a way that feels um realistic. These are things that happen to people every single day. And if we aren't able to talk about them in a way in the ways in which they happen, um, you know, how can they get better? How can we really shine a light on these things that happen to people all the time? And so I was really, really struck by how blunt the film talks about it. Like the they kind of make a joke about the whole panties thing, but like, and as soon as they started making a joke, I was like, oh, they're gonna come back. They're gonna find the panties. And when it does, when they come back with the panties, it's such a great moment of like proving this violence because like how else could that have been staged and it's i'm kind of getting off in its own thing but yeah I, i appreciate so much the the tone in which the film takes talking about assault in a way that doesn't feel like it's trying to make a joke of it it doesn't feel like it's trying to dumb down anything for me it it just expects me to be a grown-up and keep up with it and I love that I love it so much and yeah the way it talks about misogyny in a way that like I think is still very relevant you know she asked for it she dresses this certain way she's around men quite often you know like anything to do to blame her for the assault that happened to her I think is still um obviously a problem i think we still deal with today um i think more people are willing to push back against it now thankfully but like it's definitely still a thing it's definitely still a way people use language like that to to diminish victims and to to negate their experiences. And so I was really interested in the way misogyny was discussed in this film. And I think that with Anatomy of a Fall, I was really seeing, cause like that film to me is like all about misogyny and like biphobia and xenophobia even. And so it feels like the, the seed of the misogyny that Laura experiences, I think was sort of put on a bigger stage with Trier's Anatomy of a Fall. And so it was really interesting to compare the two as I watched and be like, Oh, this whole thing with Laura feels like a lot of what Trier was maybe extrapolating to focus the film on a woman in her in her film and so yeah i was just like really amazed and loved the way it took this seriously and the way it talked yeah. about it in ways i felt realistic in regards yeah. to laura and i
0: think yeah and i think especially for the time but also from a 2024 lens i think that's kind of how the prosecution gets so easily painted as the villain and how from our point of view as an audience member that they are going to be the ones that we dislike don't trust and want to see lose is because that is their main tool their main tool is discrediting laura their main tool is misogyny their main tool is um chauvinism is uh, slut shaming is just all these different tools to say like you know everything that you're talking about, Mackenzie, like he, she was asking for it. Um, you run around, don't you? Um, you love making your husband jealous, mm-hmm. all this kind of bullshit. Um, which is interesting because like I, like I, like I mentioned from a 2024 lens, that's really easy to hate. That's really easy to be like, yeah. okay, screw you dude. Sometimes, you know, we can't help but think about what was it like sitting in audience in 1954 where there there were probably older gents being like, george c scott that man is right he knows what's up yeah um yeah and so i I mean i think it is interesting how like i was shocked when i saw this at the way that they were like you know frankly talking about her assault she's very matter of fact she's really kind of like i don't know she's she's such a great uh, i think version of this character somebody who's not um completely you know uh broken down when when asked to talk about it you know when Beegler asks her to talk about it when she's asked to talk about the assault in court she's incredibly um composed she's sure of herself but not through any coaching just who she is she's an i think laura's a really incredible person and an interesting character mm-hmm. a character that could have so easily gone south and just been like a caricature especially in the time that it was made there i go again the time it was made <laughs> but um yeah i think it's one of the most interesting things about this film it's not just it's frank talk of sexuality but the way that it portrays the victim of sexual assault and sexual abuse because she's not just the victim of sexual assault she's the she's a constant victim of sexual abuse he hits her who knows what he does to her when they are intimate like yeah he's a bad dude ben gazar's character lieutenant mannion so i found i found that really interesting just laura in general
1: no i totally agree and like i think that there are still people today that i think need to understand the distinction between like it is okay for a woman to like wearing short skirts and dance and flirt with men and like sure she's married but like who wouldn't be flirting with jimmy stewart okay um (laughs) who wouldn't i think it i think people still need to f- understand the distinction that it's like it's okay for like a woman's lifestyle anyone's lifestyle obviously anyone can be assaulted anyone's lifestyle and the way they live is never an excuse for assault if that makes sense and like and like mm-hmm. we see her being flirty with jimmy stewart and sure you sure. can cast aspersions and say she probably shouldn't do that she's married and she's currently under suspicion for having been assaulted but like they're not mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? I think people need to realize that like she can be flirty and like dancing and like going out and also not be asking to be assaulted. Like there's that still. And I think that the film, I love the way the film approached that. And like, there was a line she had that was so small that you could like easily forget it where she, she says something like men have always ogled me ever since I was a kid. And that just like <laughs> breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> Not to get too into it. That's just something that like um, that very much upsets me. And that that's just, there's just too many girls in this world that have to grow up way too fast because men view them as women. And it Mm -hmm. is, uh, deeply upsetting. And I think that that sets young women up for a lifetime of having to unfurl that, if that makes sense. And I see that happening to Laura. Like Laura is the kind of person who was ogled a lot and probably, Touched a lot and approached a lot by men ever since she was a kid. Her own words, she was a child. And yeah, it's just like, it's something that I think is just completely disgusting. And like, that is just a little line that, like, I think tells so much about how she views herself and how she perceives herself to have been viewed by men her whole life. Like, she's such an interesting character. And I still think that there's not characters like her even today as victims who are as well drawn and nuanced as Laura and I even yearn for more from her and it like breaks my heart that she gets honestly the worst ending in the film um mm. yeah i she's a great character and uh i love her and i wish i wish for better things for her
2: yeah
0: yeah no and i like how she never ever uh takes the shame that's being placed on her by even paul or her husband or anybody and like accepts that like she always mm-hmm. is very comfortable with herself and just like i love the joke at the end where she gives him back the girdle um yes. and she's like immediately as soon as the trial is over and she's confident that he's gonna be okay she's immediately back to wearing what she likes to wear
1: and she's and drinking like, which is not a great sign that she's getting drunk she knows sign. her shitty husband's gonna be exactly out.
0: so yeah i mean it's incredibly complicated and like you said nuanced. but yeah i mean no i mean I don't know. I agree with you. My heart breaks for her, um, but at the same time, I think it's an interest, a incredibly interesting and well drawn character. Especially when you consider here we go again. When you consider that this film was creative, cre- the creative team behind this film was entirely men. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows? There's probably a lot we could unpack there. But um, I think that Lee Remick is just really good in this film. I think everybody's really good in this film.
1: She's great. I've apparently seen her in one other film, but I don't remember seeing her in it. So <laughs> I don't know if I can speak oh, too really? much. Yeah. She's in the long, hot summer, I guess. But the, the pull of that film is Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. So if she's not the two of them. I mean, Orson Welles is ah. also in that film, but like if, if she's not the two of them, it's, I don't really recall anybody else in that film, but no, she's really, really great. She's a really unique looking actress. Um, I think she did a really good job. And I said it earlier, but I love Eve Arden in this movie too, in terms of the women of the film Um. I, she, I just love her. I don't know. Like every time she was in the background being like sassy and funny, I can't, pe- I can't pay me my salary. I thought was a great line. Like <laughs> she, she has yeah. such good vibes Instantly, and I couldn't tell if her and Jimmy were going to get together. Cause there was kind of some vibes yeah. between them. And I was like, I'm not <laughs> mad. I mean, I know he's her boss and I probably should be mad, but I'm not mad. Um, she's the principal in Greece. I'm pretty sure. So shout out Eve Arden. Oh, nice.
0: I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good uh, way to talk about. I think one of the other, one of the other things i really like about this movie is just for all of its uh dark subject matter uh heavy subject matter and just like taxing themes that it has to deal with this movie is incredibly light at a lot of times yeah and very funny i love how funny this movie is and maybe that's a uh a uh very um cognizant tonal direction that was being taken from otto preminger and the screenwriter. Because the film is, you know, dealing with a lot and it's dealing with murder and it's dealing with, you know, possibly a life sentence, maybe the chair. Um, To make this movie so funny, um, just things like that, like you're talking about, I can't pay me my salary. I love that line. I also really love when we're first introduced to the courtroom, the guy who's first up on the docket for stealing a whole case of expensive liquor. (laughs) Mm hmm and the judge asked him how he pleases like i'm guilty as hell your honor
1: <laughs> yeah he's like
0: it was worth it
1: there's so much humor in the movie i mean even you mentioned it earlier but the like the physical comedy of jimmy stewart trying to get around george c scott when the when and the, the camera is placing them the mm-hmm. way they are like that's so funny like there's a lot of like funny things that get like these weird laugh tracks from the um from the spectators, which it took me like the laugh tracks were a little too goofy for me, but I did enjoy them. And like, yeah, there's a lot of humor in the I love like the the matter of factness of the judge. I find quite humorous a lot when he's he's dealing with these these boys basically that are like fighting at and picking at each other. It's like he's like a gruff dad trying to separate his his little boys. Um, Yeah, there's just a lot of very funny humor and I think you need that you know what I mean like you can't watch something that is all just down 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 or like it'll drive you into the ground like I think that levity is needed to help disarm you in in order to help you engage further with the art and yeah it's it's really funny like that's I, I wasn't expecting the movie to be as funny as it was i don't know i think the last thing like there was i really literally wrote my notes there was like a full hour i didn't take notes because i was just sucked into it i was just in the courtroom just vibing like i didn't even take any notes because uh i wrote long movie discord found discourse found dead in a ditch because i was just (laughs) sitting there for like an hour not even taking notes i just couldn't get over how great it was um love the score we didn't really talk about the score but like great duke Ellington. oh my gosh duke ellington who makes a cameo in the film pretty sure he's the playing piano yeah um yes
0: i love that i
1: think oh my other favorite quote the last thing i guess i want to say is i love how can a jury disregard what they've already heard they can't lieutenant they can't um i have always thought this whenever i watch courtroom dramas whenever someone does a big move and then they get objected for it and then the judge is like disregard that in my brain i've always thought like they can't you've already said it so they can't disregard it it's impossible to disregard it Even maybe bring that up in 12 angry men when like someone says something and they were like, the judge said to not disregard that, but it's like you can't, but then Rachel who was raised by lawyers was like, no, I mean, that's a tactic, right? Like there are sometimes a a lawyer who is going to take that risk knowing it will get objected and removed from the paperwork. But that as long as the words are said, they're in the minds of the jury and that's what matters. And so I've always thought that about law, uh, like, like law courtroom dramas. And I kind of loved that it was acknowledged. I was like, yes, thank you. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think, well, first of all, Beagler does it an exorbitant amount yes, in the film, yes, that tactic. Does. But I do think that anatomy of a murder is the most eloquent and pointed um, kind of distillation of that idea, that notion. It's my, it's my favorite scene in the film it's my favorite line exchange it's my favorite thing about this movie is that exchange when manion asks how can they disagree? And biglers just like he they can't um yeah no I, I i i think that i mean at the heart of it that is just one of the many things that is broken about the way that we uh find guilt and uh you know go about you know courtroom trials in our nation but also it's just really good drama
1: yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing is that jury quote, that great quote about juries. Uh, to me, I just said that is Twelve Angry Men. Uh, I don't know if I feel God bless juries necessarily, but that 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 uh, we didn't really talk about the. Um, the, the bestie oh my gosh arthur o'connell yeah. playing uh parnell um but he has that quote of 12 people go off into a room 12 different minds 12 different hearts 12 different walks of life 12 sets of eyes ears shapes and sizes and these 12 people are asked to judge another human being as different from them as they are from each other um that is that is 12 angry men to me i love that like that that line yeah. is literally 12 angry men in a, in a in a in a line uh, and it's just I think probably one of the best lines of the whole film so just also wanted to shout that out before we, we, haven't seen them before we headed since. off
2: I gave the torn skirt and sweater to the police and then I went with them up that lane into the woods to look for the panties but we couldn't find anything but my glasses your glasses you mean you were wearing glasses through all that no I had them in a case in my hand I wear them for reading playing pinball things like that I must have tried to get out of the car and dropped them oh uh-huh. You, uh, might be interested to know that your lie detector test turned out in your favor. Of course it did. I could have told you it would. And you weren't worried about it? No. Why should I be? Well, would you like to have something to worry about? <laughs> Silly. Like your husband watching us from his cell window? All right. All right, let's have it. Did he say something to you? Just enough. Are you afraid of him? Yes. Is that why you volunteered for a lie detector test for him? Yeah. Does he have reason to be jealous? He was jealous even before we were married. I should have known how it would be. It's funny, though. he, He likes to show me off. He likes me to dress the way I do. And then he gets furious if a man pays any attention to me. I've tried to leave him but i can't he begs i give in well now if you think i've forgotten my question i haven't i have all right all right then i'll ask it again does your husband have any reason to be jealous
0: yeah no i completely agree with you i was thinking the exact same thing <laughs> when that got said i was like what a good what a good uh double feature we've created here once again
1: Look at us. Um, look at us. Yeah, look at us. Look at us.
0: Hey, hey. <laughs> look at us. Well, with that, Mackenzie, do you want to give the fine folks your final thoughts and your star rating for Anatomy of a Murder? I got a feeling what it might be.
1: I mean, five <laughs> bang, baby. Is it any doubt? Yeah. Like, this movie's fucking incredible. Um, it's amazing. Again, long movie discourse. Dead. You're dead to me. Okay? Mm. I popped this movie on two, almost three hours, flew fucking by it's exhilarating it's funny it's well acted it's perfectly directed it's it's just it's 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 anatomy of a murder people everyone says it's incredible because it is uh it's one of those that lives up to the hype i i say that you know you and i've watched some like films that people really love that we haven't loved and uh I'm glad that these two totemic courtroom dramas that I've never seen proved to be incredible to me. Uh, Maybe I'm a courtroom drama girly. I don't know. Like I'm really vibing with a courtroom drama this year. So um, yeah, five stars. I mean, it's just one of those. It's, I think it's, it's a perfect film. It's impossible for me not to, to rate it that high. It's just, it's just really good. It's just an incredibly good movie and what a great double feature. Maybe one of my favorites we've ever paired together. And uh, yeah, it's great. What about you, Ian?
0: Well, you know, I gotta say, um, on a second viewing, sometimes I'm a little worried that films might disappoint or they may not hit as hard. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to say that, uh, that is not true with anatomy of a murder. Um, yeah, I, I find this film just so incredibly watchable and which is like, I think the film, the thing a film must be to survive those repeated viewings. It's just like you said, there was also a point in this film where I stopped taking notes, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and just glued to the screen. Um, I love how funny this movie is. I love how intense this movie is, and I just love the tat for tat, the pitter patter in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Um and I love that Jimmy Stewart gets peanuts from a gumball machine at one point. <laughs> I think that's great. Yes. Um it's a five bang as well.
1: Hell yeah, hell yeah. Ten bang from the criterion connection.
0: Yeah, I think these are I think this is one of our best double features in a minute.
1: Hell yeah. yeah. I think
0: it also helps that I knew uh, what we were. I had seen the film I was going to be pairing to 12 Angry Men. It made total sense.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. Everybody, if you haven't watched these, join us. Join us and please watch these films. Ian, do we have any letters? Any letters or voicemails this week? Not today, but if people
0: want to write in about our double feature, 12 Angry Men and Anatomy of a Murder, or anything else that we've covered, we'll cover. They can write to us or send us their voicemails, 90 seconds or under, at thecriterionconnection at gmail.com, and we will read and or play them out on the show.
1: I love it. And Ian, if I'm not mistaken, you are starting a new double feature for us.
0: Oh, boy, (laughs) am I. And when it comes to dead-in-a-ditch discourse about long-ass movies, we might have to have that conversation again, or maybe not. I don't know only time will tell mackenzie because the film we are watching is described by letterbox as a tribute to the controversial black activist and leader of the struggle for black liberation he hit bottom during his imprisonment in the 50s he became a black muslim and then a leader in the nation of islam his assassination in 1965 left a legacy of self-determination and racial pride spike lee's malcolm
1: x I oh did not know <laughs> that this clocked in at a at a hot 202 minutes. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll see how I feel next week, I guess. felt long of discourse. <laughs> uh maybe we'll be maybe uh, I'll be eating my words next week.
0: This has been at the tippy top of my want to watch list for a very long time. I'm very excited. Um yeah and i've just been meaning to check out more spike in general i mean fuck it let's do it
1: (laughs) let's do it right Let's let's go let's do this thing
0: well mackenzie anything else
1: nothing else from me
0: until then
1: see you next time on the criterion connection